Well, good morning, Christ Hold Fast friends. It's good to be with you. On this Tuesday, I've got a busy day ahead of me. I'm actually heading to Washington Square and uh, out in the city to welcome brand new and returning NYU grad students all day today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's going to be a very busy, busy week, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take time to dive into God's Word together and to look at, uh, I guess, what you could call the gospel to the Ephesians, because there's an awful lot of good news uh, in this book. Now, last week, uh, just by way of introduction, uh, we, we saw in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul sort of rapturously spelling out all the things that God has given us in Christ. We're told that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We saw that these spiritual blessings included uh, adoption and redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses and inheritance, namely the riches of God's kingdom and sealing by the spirit, guaranteeing God will not go back on his salvation of us. I mean, there's just so many good things all gifted to us in those first 14 verses. And now after having spelled out all of that, Paul is led to pray for this church that he so loves. And in Greek, uh, this again, you know, Paul is, Ephesians is sort of an, another way of looking at it is it's, it's the book of run-on sentences uh, because the whole first chapter is basically two sentences. And what I'm about to read to you now from verses 15 through 23 Originally, in, in the Greek, it's just one big sort of massive prayer without breaks. It's as if Paul is getting excited and uh, breathless. And so, so we continue. Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to, for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, end of reading. So there's a number of things that we can uh, we can glean from this passage today, but I figured we'll just we'll talk about the prayer itself. What does the prayer? What's the motive for the prayer? Paul gives us that. Uh, what's the content of the prayer? Paul, there's actually very specific content in this prayer. And then what is the the hoped for result? What is the desired result of this prayer as Paul lifts up this Ephesian church to the Lord? And the first thing we see is the motivation of the prayer. He says, quote, at the very beginning, because I have heard of your faith and love toward all the saints. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you. Verses 15 and 16. What a great testimony of the Ephesian church, right? I mean, basic as basic gets, but as important as it gets. Like, it doesn't get better than that. Faith in Jesus Christ, that's what he's hearing about, that they, they believe in Jesus, they're trusting in Jesus for what they need, for this inheritance that he's talking about, and they're loving the brothers, they're loving the saints. Done and done. Simple enough. <laughs> well, maybe not simple, but... Uh, powerful when we see it happen. And that is indeed my prayer for the churches that I'm connected with, whether it be Epiphany in New York City or the church I serve with uh, Brother Bruce Hillman in New Jersey, either one of them, I want that to be the rumor that people hear about this these churches. That's a place where people know what they have in Jesus, and as a result, they have great love for one another. And I hope that that's the prayer for every church. So that's the motive. Paul hears about this. He's like, man, that just inspires me to constantly remember to pray for you. I just love the fact that you're so focused on the important things. You're not, you're not dilly-dallying around with the thousand other things that the modern church seems to get all you know hyped up about. It's just faith in Jesus and love for neighbor. All right, so then let's move on. The content of Paul's prayer. Uh, first verses 17 and 18 that we'd be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. In other words, the rest of the Christian life is really a growth in the knowledge in, in this knowledge and wisdom of God. Uh, important question, what does revelation mean in this context? Well, it literally means a full disclosure. You know, it's, it's an unveiling, if you will, uh, taking away the, you know, the mask. And so what Paul is praying for is that, that the church would have a deeper knowledge of that which has been revealed already in Christ, of that which has come with or which has been revealed with the coming of Jesus. Now, I point this out, and it's important to note it because there is no new revelation happening today. There are some traditions within Christianity, some spheres of Christianity that challenge this, that will say that there is new revelation uh, from God today. But in fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and our passage here today uh, hint especially, this passage hints at it, Hebrews 1 is very clear that the revelation of Jesus is the word of God, the final word of God. And so the reason we have our hearts enlightened is to have the knowledge of him, that we would know the hope that we've been called to. See, this is past tense language. In other words, he wants to remind us, we want, he wants us to grow deeper in the knowledge that death indeed has really been defeated and that we really do have life to the fullest in Jesus Christ, and that's enough. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, another letter of Paul's puts it this way, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Isn't that a wonderful little passage? Why is the spirit given to us? That we might understand more how free God's gifts have been given to us. In other words, God's Spirit's given to us so that we might extol His grace, 
that we might see just how incredibly good and gracious God is to us on any given day. The Christian life really when it all comes down to it, you know, as much as there's a hundred different messages about how to live the Christian life, you want to know what it's really about? It's really about growing into a deeper knowledge of what's already been done and what has been given. This is Christian growth, if you want to talk about that. It's just growing in deeper, deeper appreciation and knowledge of all that God has already done to bring you back to himself. It doesn't get much more complicated than that. That's why he says that you would know, like here's the prayer. I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance. So I know that you know you have an inheritance, but man, I want you to just experience the glory of all the riches that come with that glorious inheritance. And you go back to verse 11, 14, 11 through 14. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance? Well, I'll read it for you. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." All gift, all inheritance, all free, all one for us by Jesus Christ. And therefore, we are adopted children of the Father who rules over all. And so he says the immeasurable greatness of his power is what he wants us to understand. Now, where do we see that? Where do we see the immeasurable greatness of his power? We're prone to thinking, again, Mount Sinai. We're prone to thinking of, some, of lightning and thunder and earthquakes and tsunamis. But what Paul says in verses 20 and 21 is, in fact, we see his power most manifested in the death and resurrection, exaltation, and ascension of Jesus. Verse 20 points out that it's revealed in Jesus' resurrection that we see the ultimate power of God, that it's revealed in his ascension, the second part of verse 20, and that it's revealed in his exaltation, verse 21. If these things didn't happen, we have no Savior. So we have to believe both in Jesus dying for our sins, but also raising for our justification. That's what the epistle to the Romans says. So this is all, it's all, again, Paul never divorces uh, anything he says from what Christ has accomplished. So his prayer is really simple. God, I just want them to grow in deeper and deeper knowledge of all the good things that you do for them on any given day. And man, that is a great prayer to have for, uh, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your church. May my church be a church that just absolutely adores God for his grace to us, uh, for him being so merciful and forgiving to us. May that be what we're all about. And may that by in turn be the kinds of people we are that extend grace and forgiveness and mercy often and all the time. As Paul says here, love toward all the saints. Okay, so what's the result of Paul's prayer? Uh, well, the result, it seems, when we get to the end of the passage, is that there would be worship of God. That, that's essentially, he, he, when you get down to it, he says, he puts all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So there's a deeper recognition as we get, it results in praise in other words. The more we, met, we, we sort of soak in all he's done for us, the more we find ourselves wanting to just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's it. That's really what it comes down to. So very, uh, very quick, very short little devotional prayer. Next week is, I think, I mean, it is the, the passage of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, at least verses 1 through 9. Maybe verse 10 if we have time, but I'm not rushing that thing because there may be no fuller passage that explains the whole story of salvation better than next week's passage in Ephesians 2. So we're going to take some time to marinate in that. All right, that's it, folks. Hope you have a great week. I will see you next Tuesday. God bless you.